Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, please remain standing for the singing of our national anthem. means Brexit. My administration has accomplished more than almost any administration in the history of our country. Hi, hello and welcome. It's me, Royfield Brown, and I'm back home in mum and dad's house in Birmingham in very sunny, summery England. And today we have with us Denise Hamilton, who's the founder and CEO of Watcher Work from Austin in Texas. We have Leah Brown, who's an FRSA, don't you know, which means that she's rather esteemed. So we doff our caps to her. But she's a CEO of Broadstairs Consulting and she's in uh, Broadstairs in Kent in the UK. And bringing up the rear, a good friend of the podcast, you have Jared Kobeck, a Turkish-American writer and social observer who lives in Los Angeles in the United States. It's been a very busy week, both sides of the Atlantic for news and views. But what we're going to focus on just as the presidential race hots up is... The question of age of the American president, considering he's going to run for another term. Is this an example of age prejudice in politics? Are concerns surrounding President Biden's advanced age and its potential implications as he seeks re-election at the age of 82? Are they valid considering the relatively good job he has done since 2021? His trip at the US Air Force Academy commensurate ceremony sparked discussions, or at least put fire underneath discussions about his ability to handle the demanding role of the presidency and many have been reminded of that that if he's successful in his bid for a second term he would serve until he's 86 president biden is back on his bike i want you to know I took off the clamps on my <laughs> He was talking about the tow cage that is being blamed for that spectacular fall from his bike. While Biden seems to have plenty of stamina for biking, questions are being raised about whether he's too old for a second term. The top story in today's New York Times says Democrats sour on Biden, citing age. And another story Sunday claims he often shuffles when he walks and aides worry he will trip on a wire. He stumbles over words during public events. It's unclear how much movement there is within the party, but 
There are concerns about his age and the way voters perceive him. Biden's latest gaffe came Friday when he appeared to read an instruction in the teleprompter as if it was part of his speech. The percentage of women who registered to vote and cast a ballot is consistently higher than the percentage of the men who do so, end of quote. Repeat the line. He was not supposed to read, repeat the line. It's being called a Ron Burgundy moment. A new poll says 64% of voters believe he is too old to be president. Mr. Kobach, coming over to you first, with the demanding nature of the presidency and the potential health risks associated with an elderly president, is he just too old to run for a second term? Some people think so. I don't. I love Biden, weirdly, which I would not have thought. Um, Is your love blinding you to the fact that by far is the most elderly American president. Yeah, but I don't like how people talk about older people. Like there you you get past a certain age and everyone just starts talking to you or are talking about you like you're a child or you're stupid. And I don't think that's universally true. I'm not even sure it's true at all. I, I it's an issue. I think I actually think what drives it isn't the occasional trip. We've had tripping presidents before, Gerald Ford most famously. I think it's that Biden has lost Biden was never a natural speaker and I think he's lost a little bit of facial mobility which makes him seem much much older than he is mentally if that makes any sense. But People think it's a a huge issue. I actually don't think it's going to have any real effect on the election. Denise, Jared brings up the fact that the president has a well-documented speech impediment and he's had to train his voice to get over that. Is that maybe some of the reasons why when he is out on the stump, yes, he can be commanding at times, but sometimes he does feel a little bit tongue-tied. Should we not be celebrating the fact there is somebody with a vocal impediment who has risen to the highest office in the United States? I, I think so. I think that we have a youth-obsessed culture, right? That's just the, that's our, the American experience. We are youth-obsessed. And the consequences of that have been incredibly damaging, to be honest. I, I wonder about leaders that we have passed over and leaders that we have prioritized because they have a certain level of gift of gab and they come across youthful. And I think one thing that we've done is we've traded wisdom for knowledge, right? We love a Malala or a Mark Zuckerberg. We love a story of somebody young who has done something incredible before the age of 21 or 25. We love those kinds of stories. But I got to tell you, I don't know that I need that in my president. What I need in my president is for them to be able to get stuff done and solve problems and be wise about the management of people with different perspectives and different agendas. And he has been able to do that consistently in what I have seen as seems like impossible odds. And it's weird that we're not often when we have these conversations, we're not really talking about, hey, is he getting stuff done? Is he making things happen? It's is he going to stutter or stammer or is he going to trip? And I'm like, is that what we're talking about? Are we sure that we're the main thing is the main thing in these conversations? And 
For me, I grade on performance. I don't really grade on whether or not you stammer or you trip. I tripped last week and I am not 82. So that's not the measurement that I use to determine if somebody is getting it done and doing the things they have to do. It's the work and the effort and the effectiveness that matters to me. But surely, Leah, the question is, we we all trip. I tripped yesterday, but I I could steady myself and nobody thought, my God, is he going to break a hip? If you're 80 plus, if you trip, you could be breaking a, a hip. So should we really just value wisdom and experience and say he comes with lots of wisdom because he's that old, lots of experience because he's been in, in government since the 1970s, and that's A-OK? That's the tricky one. Uh, look, my, my view is this. I'm not sure the main issue is his age. My personal view is that we've got succession planning wrong. One of the responsibilities of a leader is to bring up people behind you. And to also know when it's time to vacate your position. And it seems incredible to me that Biden is the best that American can do in 2023. That is not in any way to take away from his achievements or his commitment to the American people. But I'm not convinced that he wants to die in office. I am convinced that his ego trumps his patriotism. There's always going to be unfinished business in office. There's always going to be more than you can do. But I I really do think that um, one of the failings, both sides of the pond in leadership, is that lack of foresight as to how to have continuity in politics and how to continue these agenda items um, with part of that newer generation coming in. And I think that more consideration should be given to that when selecting a future leader of the United States of America. Uh, that, that's a, a very good point. And America always has this succession. That's exactly what, why the vice president is there. Mr. K, do you think that if um, his vice president had been A, a little bit more popular, B, been seen to do a better job, that maybe Biden would have uh, stepped down after his first term? There no, isn't no. too many people. No one gives up power. The people who end up as president do mm-hmm. not end up as president because they are the kind of people who will give up power. I think this idea that was floating in the 2020 campaign that, oh, he was going to be a one-term president, he was going to be a bridge. I'm sure that's what people in his camp were saying to people. I am sure that everyone also was of the opinion Anyone who's on the inside is like, this guy has wanted to be president since 1978. He's not about to give it up. He's not going to be a one-term president. And I think, I think, unfortunately, everyone has looked for, in some weird way, a lot of this conversation is about Kamala, which is really too bad because I like Kamala quite a bit. And she's, but she's been... No, like every vice president gets stuck in a thankless role where they are inherently reflective of some perceived flaw or some perceived something in the president. And so for her, it's just, it seems to have solidified into, I I can't even quite describe it, but no, I don't, to answer your question, I don't think he ever would have, I think he could have had the single most popular person who's ever lived as his vice president, and he'd still be going for the eight years. That's what they do. Mm. Why is his VP so unpopular, Denise? My reflexive answer is she's a black woman, and the United States is still 
not ready. I think a lot of the experience that we're having now, the division that we have in the country right now, is in response to the election of um, Barack Obama. I think there has been ignited an anger, a fear of loss within many people within the country who are afraid of seeing this much change this fast. And I think that she is caught in a really strange dilemma. I I think Leah used the word ego earlier. I'm probably of a different opinion about, um, about Biden's presidency. I probably ascribe a little bit more heroic tendency than ego, because I think that this country, like we were in shambles, like Trump ruined the story of America, not just had a couple rough years of a presidency. There was a foundational challenge to the story of America that was presented by the presidency of Donald Trump. And I think the work of stitching that back together, quite frankly, just isn't done. It isn't done yet. So I don't really see it as ego as much as how many people could hold the sides the together in Game of Thrones, Hodor, how many people could hold the door? I don't know that there's a long list of people who had the skills, the relationships, the experience the, to make that happen. I don't think I could generate 10 names. Maybe if we were really smart, we had an hour. I mean, we could generate 10 other names. But I think that Kamala is caught up in the same backlash that we're seeing in so many other areas of American life of just too much change too soon. We're not ready. We don't want that. And that's unfortunate because I think she brings so much to the table and I don't think she's getting the opportunity to be seen to inspire confidence around Biden's age. I think it's a weird kind of Tetris puzzle that we're all trying to figure out. But when I think what's the alternative, I've, I have a hard time coming up with a really good, solid list. Mm. From an actuarial perspective, the odds are that he won't see out his second term. We've all seen those pictures of American presidents who aged during the presidency. Obama is a classic example, but there are numerous other ones. What are you shaking your head for them? Because the difference between Biden and Mm -hmm. everybody else who's been president for the last- That Biden's already old? No, Biden actually likes being president. There's a huge difference. George Bush didn't like being president. Barack Obama, I think, wanted to be president, but then- was really a man of too much personal dignity for the role. Once he got there and had to see the kinds of people he had to deal with. But I, I suppose I take your point because Biden's hair was already gray before he started. Yeah. So yeah, he didn't Biden, have anywhere to go, did it? He couldn't get any yeah. grayer than gray. No. Biden, Biden likes being president. That's the weirdest thing about it. And he's wanted to be president since the 1970s. So I don't think the role as is poisonous. I don't think the role is poisonous if you actually like it, which most people, how would you know? How would you know until you get there? And it's a a grueling regimen to be president. And he's in his 80s and he's turning up and he's doing the job. So he's definitely fit enough. He absolutely is. Biden's great, man. I, I really... The shock for me after 
he got elected. And if he's not flawless, nothing is flawless. How good of a president he's actually been is mm. really surprising. But Leah, to that point, he has been a good president. I said in my intro, he surprised many people, on at least on the left. America is a very divided country, but many people on the left say, oh, you know what, he's done okay. But he doesn't inspire people, though, does he? It, it, it's interesting. Are the Democrats fundamentally, or do Democrats just feel that they're stuck with Biden? His unfavorables are pretty high, they're not as bad as Trump. It's a difficult one, because if you have somebody who's already holding office, they're always going to be a better choice than a new candidate. I, I think this is kind of part of the irony of the discussion. For a man who has worked under other people for the majority of his career, I feel like he should have more empathy for his vice president and vacate his role. Um, but that aside, I do think that at the moment, due to the lack of uh, foresight or funding or candidate selection, the Democrats are stuck with Biden. And I'm not sure that's necessarily a bad thing, given the opposition. But if the Democrats want to stay in office, they do need to stick with Biden, because I don't think that there's anyone coming out of the woodwork who's going to be sufficient to challenge any of the Republican proposed candidates. Robert Kennedy Jr. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. As I said, the candidate who is currently holding the post is always going to be in a stronger position. I think they are stuck with him. But what I don't understand is why there has been so much fatalism about that. That's something that, that the Democrats could have been on the front foot about, especially given his age, and chose not to be. I, it's a double-edged sword, really, because I don't think anybody can argue with Biden's record. I don't think that anybody can argue with his allyship or the way that he has impacted students from middle class and working class backgrounds, ability to actually have economic freedom, his increasing rates of employment across America, investing in infrastructure. There's a long list of things that he's managed to achieve that, as you say, have pulled the fabric of America back together. But there's always going to be an opportunity cost. And the question really for the Democrats, is this strategy worth it? Is one of the problems with many people viewing Biden that 
in some ways, it feels like somewhat out, out of time. We live in a changing culture. The America that he encountered when first going into the Senate in the 1970s is a very different place, right? He doesn't understand the internet. Half the Senate are so old, they don't understand the internet. And that's just one example. He's famously a very feely, touchy person. That is now shunned upon and whatever. So how much of this is not, not just him being old, but him not necessarily being of America in 2023? Mr. K, what do you reckon? I think that's a lot of it. I don't know. I, it's weird for me. That question is strange for me to answer because with possible, no, with the definite exception of him being a little too touchy feely, I think all of the things that you've just described are why he's been so successful. Wait a minute. I've just said that he doesn't understand the internet and you famously wrote a book saying you hate the internet. Yeah, that's true. But no, Biden is a very different kind of politician from a very different period in American life. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's any surprise that think about Biden in 2020 or maybe 2021. I, you'll have to forgive me. It's been a while. But he would be talking about, no, you can actually get stuff done with a divided Senate. He would talk about bipartisanship. And I'm on the left. I was like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? But once he actually got there, he's been really effective at getting things through a tightly divided Congress, a Congress that is not particularly favorable to him. And I actually attribute that to the fact that he is so old, that he's from an era where people still thought this was possible. I am very concerned about what happens when you have solely have politicians in this country who don't know how to do that, who don't have that legacy DNA. And I, so I think everything you just listed as a deficit, I think is an attribute except fueling people up. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I think that we, do we really all want presidents that just sit on the toilet and tweet is that what we want? I think we have to be really careful. Like we're, we, we even say like, he's accomplishing stuff. He's getting stuff done. He's, he has a divided Congress. He's still accomplishing things, but we need him to be more, more what? Fill in the blank. What is it that we need him to be more of? More modern people yell into the void and, and speak in dichotomous hyperbole and we never get things done. But here is this throwback character that has been able to be effective in talking to all kinds of people about all kinds of things, not just the internet. Because part of our problem is we've decided to fixate on two or three problems instead of running a country and the whole panoply of challenges and issues that are facing the country. I don't know. This is the only conversation, the only, when we talk about Biden at large, this is the only place where being good with people and being analog and an a old school communicator is seen as a deficit instead of an asset. The interns and the young people I work with, I'm, we're all hammering into them to be better with people and to be more connected. But we want a president that is different somehow. 
But you said it is an old school communicator as opposed to a modern one. Buddha yeah, Judge, but- fantastic communicator and seems to be able to be on the money and he's very now without being i don't know where he tweets from i've no idea where he tweets from but but, but let's move on there's a question of the gerontocracy of american politics which with pelosi going i think the average age of an american politician has maybe come down by about 15 years but we do have mitch mcconnell schumer etc you look at the United Kingdom, Sunak's in his 40s. Macron in France just smacks of youth, youthfulness. And he's, and he's in early 50s, I, I believe. Now, what is it about American politics that you people just like old people? Considering America likes to pride itself on being such a youthful culture, your politicians are all pretty old. And we have seen historically... Reagan in his last years, early onsets of dementia, which was hidden from the American public, but people close to him knew. Winston Churchill in his last prime ministership in, in the UK, wet himself in a cabinet meeting. What is it with America and American politicians that you seem to, let's say, at a most charitable, go for experience over youth? Leah, You've got a foot in both camps. You're a British citizen and an American citizen. What do you reckon? I'd like to make a couple of brief observations, if I may. The first is that the United States has been flip-flopping. Uh, in uh, were you asking for, for permission there, Leah? I kind of took You it. have my permission. You go for it. <laughs> Thank you. The, the US has been flip-flopping in eight-year cycles, which massively extends the amount of time that it takes to get things done in a very polarized political situation. I think the other thing is that the US um, runs on dynasty families and the money that is required to front a presidential candidate far surpasses anything that it would take somebody to become uh, a prime minister in the United Kingdom. I think the other thing that I would say is that youth isn't necessarily beneficial in the UK parliamentary system. And I think that character, as Denise was saying earlier, has been substantially lacking uh, across the board. It's very hard to make generalizations as between the two political systems. But I think what I would say is that neither country can seem to agree what they actually want in a leader. And politics has always had a bad rep and integrity has always been hard to identify And so when people show up who do then exhibit those characteristics, they're often not necessarily praised for them because it's what we should have had in the system all along. Um, I think for me, I am less concerned about the age of a candidate and I'm more concerned about their background. And I would say that people in the UK come to politics from a much wider range of backgrounds than people who enter the Senate for example, in the United States, um, that path to being a politician in the US starts a lot earlier. And that can exacerbate that out of touch feeling in terms of other people who have the power representative of the people that they are in power to uh, protect. And also in that, how similar are their interests to the people that are in their local areas? And in the UK, we're seeing that a lot. I think a lot of people feel like Rishi Sunak is out of touch 
And that is not because of his age. It's not even really necessarily because of his education. It is just because of his wealth. And so there are a lot of different factors that need to be taken into consideration when assessing somebody's suitability for office. Hmm. Jared, it, it seems to me that right. I, I'm trying to poke holes in Biden because that's my job as host, just to be <laughs> slightly contrary, just to gen conversation along here and not make it a loving. But one thing which he hasn't been able to do is at least be seen as a uniter for many Americans on the right. What type of president, at what moment do you think America needs to get to where the left and right can actually say, this person is actually my president? I'll go back to remembering Reagan's presidency. Very obviously, he was a Republican. He could work with Tip O'Neill. Tip O'Neill said he could work with him. And all Americans said back then, this was our president, whether they agreed with his uh, legislative agenda or not. Is American politics that divisive that maybe those are halcyon days and presidents will be seen as always being partisan from here on in? I hesitate to make any statements about what happens in the future because everything can change. What? You don't have a crystal ball there? Yeah, I have ill-informed opinion. I I can uh, I suspect and this may be a really optimistic idea. But I I suspect the way that America gets out of whatever this partisanship is and uh, is there's an opportunity for whichever party really decides that it wants to govern and govern in the mechanics of governance rather than whatever is happening now. And now I will say in the current system, it's quite clear that the Democrats are closer to this than the GOP. The GOP now seems like a party just trying to commit suicide in public for reasons that I truly don't understand. Whoever, but what I think the American people want and it's not to say that there aren't broader issues that also need to be addressed, but I suspect the unifying thing across party lines for the vast majority of the country is just for things to work again. And but that's a stunning thing about the Biden presidency, because he's actually shown that he can have some level of bipartisanship, but he yes. doesn't get any credit. But, that, but he does not have a party that is fully behind him on that. And again, I do not want to draw an equivalence between the Democrats and the GOP on this because the GOP are terrifying in a way that the Democrats aren't. But the Democrats have different it's not a unified message. And this has been the curse of the Democratic Party for God, a hundred years. But a party that wants to govern and a party that really dedicates itself to the idea of governance as a mechanism that can improve the quality of daily life, I suspect that's how you eventually have an erosion of the hyper-partisanship in American life. And it's true, Biden really wants to do that, but Biden's one guy who can get his party in line. But I think this idea, which 
who knows if they'll actually be able to follow through where he gave a state of the union about where he mostly talked about junk fees. I thought that was amazing because that's the kind of thing that actually people care about more than almost anything like that level of it. If there is a recommitment to the idea that government can actually be an engine of moderate change in the daily fabric of people's lives, that's how you get to that. But it may never happen. Denise? <laughs> I love the optimistic view, but then the big like shot pessimism as the end. <laughs> I'm me. I am an optimist. I am and and I have I walk around the earth with inappropriate levels of optimism. And I think that we are in the middle of an arc uh, of history. You're, you're an American. That that this that's is what true. it's within hey, your DNA. Jamaican. Um and <laughs> that, that so I believe we're in the middle of an arc of history and we're in a part of we're in the ugly part, right? It's the caterpillar has climbed into the cocoon and we're working on the butterfly. But if you crack open that cocoon mid, it, it's ugly. It's gross. It's desiccated. It, it's, it's ugly right now. But I do believe that it can't be like this forever. I do believe that people are returning to an appetite for this to work rather than an appetite for partisanship. We've, we're in a season of appetite for the Marjorie Taylor Greens and even the AOCs. We want somebody to embarrass the other side and gotcha questions. And we are, we develop the appetite for sound bites over service. And I think that that is not sustainable. And we're starting to see that calcification break down where people that even the biggest Trump supporters are like, I don't know, though. I don't know if I can go through that again. I don't know if I want. Can we get something done? Who can get stuff done? And I think if we can, I don't know, just revive the belief that government even can work. I think there's been a whole scale campaign for the, over the last 20 years that we don't need government. It's too big. It's, and we're from where I'm sitting, government has solved and created a lot of opportunities, solved a lot of problems, have created progress. And, and as we defund, 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 we're seeing damage. We're seeing loss. We're seeing lower quality of life. The middle class in the United States was not built by hardworking people. It was built by government policies, decisions that were made to put things in place to allow for a foundation that if you were ready to fly, you had a platform to fly from. And I think if things get, they, they probably have to get a little bit worse before people start demanding more performance and more efficacy and losing the appetite for the nonstop nonsense. We even see it with Twitter. Look how the, the arc of Twitter and now people are just like, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the nastiness. I'm tired of the partisanship. I'm tired of the misinformation. And they're all pulling away from it. I think we're going to do that across the board. So I am hopeful. It's ugly, but I think it's going to get better. Mm. Leah, Absolutely. It's your first time on, on the podcast. You're going to have the last word, Leah. So make sure it lands. No pressure, right? No pressure though, Leah, right? Are you an eternal optimist as Denise is with America and its partisan divide? 
I listened to Denise and I heard what she said about big government, about government, sorry, not big government. Let's call it just government because saying it's big government is a pejorative that maybe it's coming back into fashion. But truly at the heart of the American experiment has always been this tension between government, taxation, that's us Brits, and then people being free to individually do whatever the heck they want to do, as represented by the Federalists, the First Party, and then you had the Democratic Republicans that wanted more decentralization. Isn't this just a conundrum which sits at the heart of the American system that they're going to flop a little bit this way, a little bit that way? Us Europeans look at them and they say, these people are somewhat crazy. We all know that government can actually help pull people out of poverty. It can help put roofs over over the homeless heads. But these Americans, just as crazy. Is Denise's optimism just wild, American, sunny thinking, flying in the face of its cultural history? As I said, Leah Brown, my cousin, you have the last word. Over to you. You're very kind. I would call myself less of an eternal optimist and more of a realist. I think the reality is that the polarisation is going to get worse before it gets better. That seems to be the trend that we are on. Uh, But I do agree that it is going to get better. I I think it is incontrovertible that uh, government has its, not just uses, but it's uh, a pillar of society. And part of the issue is that we've gone through such extreme societal shifts in the last 10 to 15 years, that the government is having to adjust to that and work with that and present leaders who are adept at addressing that. Um, And so I do think that the current political system is unsustainable, but I do think that it is in flux. And where something is in flux, it is malleable. And I think we're going to continue to see progressive changes that map out the changes that we're seeing across the diversity. When you say progressive, do you mean politically progressive? Socially progressive. So whether that's through identity or whether that's through convictions as to what people's priorities are, what employers' priorities are, what policy priorities are, I think there is a recognition that old is out and new is coming and we just all need to agree what new is so that we can get behind it and move forwards. And I do think that Part of these strands are the wrestling that's going on with capitalist society and the inequality that creates. So the government's purpose isn't about bringing people out of poverty. There are conflicted interests there. And until those are resolved in a way that enables things to move forward in a way that benefits the whole rather than the minority, and I don't mean the minority in terms of what you and a minority in terms of the 0.01%, we're not going to be able to get government in its right position to do the good work that it's been designed to do. I think progress is afoot. I, I think that opportunity is around the corner. I think that things will get better. I definitely think they'll get worse before they get better. But I like to be positive and I like to think that the glass is half full. So let's top it up. Wow. Sounds to me if we're having a new paradigm shift in American cultural mores and political mores, you probably need a new politician for that. But anyway, so anyway, I'll I'll just throw that one in there. This, folks, has been a somewhat truncated mid-Atlantic because... Boy, oh boy, did we have technical issues before recording this. And half of the team haven't been able to make the jump from one recording platform to another, let alone the fact that we were due to talk about the UK by-elections, the three by-elections today, which are in Selby and Anstey, Somerton and Frome, and Uxbridge and South Ryslip. But by the time 
good listener, you've heard this edited podcast, you'll have known uh, the result. But what we will do next week is we'll invite Leah Brown back because I think we can all agree she's pretty awesome. But somebody with a surname like that stands to reason. And we'll talk about the ramifications of the result of these three British by-elections. I'm going to bid you adieu. But Mr. Kobeck, what are you up to at the moment? Where can people, oh, I was going to say, where can people find you on the socials? But you don't do that, do you? Because you hate the internet. Yeah, that they shouldn't try to find me. That's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Denise Hamilton, if people want to catch up with you, how can they do that? I am in all the places at Official D. Ham. So Denise Hamilton, Official D. Ham. Don't judge me. When your name is Denise Hamilton, it is almost impossible to find a social media handle across all of them. So Official D. Ham is where you can find me and send me a note. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are about anything that I've said. And just before we come on uh, to Leah, why don't you tell us a little bit about your book? Oh, I'd love to. So I've written a book um, called Indivisible, and it is my it's the handbook to the ownership handbook for America. I think that we have lost sight of the original goal. And so it's just a little reminder of how we can work together, how we need to be thinking about the, the purpose of leadership, of government, just how we can turn the page on this really divided season and move into a better one. It's com- coming out February 2024, and I'd love for you to snatch it up. I'm going to make sure, Royfield, that your listeners have the pre-order link as soon as it's available. But follow me on socials if you want to find out when it's all available, and would love to keep the conversation going. Like I said, I'm an optimist, and we need a few more optimists. We need people who believe in our ability to change things instead of being obsessed with just naming problems. So if you're that kind of person, then this is going to be the book for you. Gosh, you sold me. Where where, where do I sign up and get myself 15 copies? Leah, I'm going to get 15 copies. How many copies of Denise's book are you going to buy? I would like uh, a hard copy that I can get signed in person to start off with. But after that, it sounds like... In person, you're going to fly to Austin, Texas to get your copy signed. Houston, Texas. Same thing. As many as it takes. I think there's a lot of education needed this side of the pond on things on your side of the pond. So, yeah, happy to acquire as many as needed. And why don't you tell us a little bit about Broadstairs Consulting before we close down this podcast? It's your first time. But by the way, can I just say props? You were good. You're most awesome. Will you come back again? I would be delighted to come back. I spend my life running an apolitical crisis and governance consultancy. I also run a weekly crisis podcast called The Longest Day. And one of my greatest challenges is that there's no space for my opinions in any of my work or any of my podcasts. So <laughs> it's just been really nice to be able to use my voice. But we operate as a consultancy predominantly in sports, politics and media. And we use facilitative mediation to help disarm uh, boardroom conflict, uh, co-founded disputes, issues that uh, are not just the symptom, but also getting to the root of the issue and working with leaders to unpack those so that their business can continue as a going concern and they don't waste money in the process. Goodness. 
there you go folks that was your panel one person that doesn't want you to find him on the internet another woman's got an awesome sunny book coming out of which i'm buying how many copies did i say 35 i'm buying 35 copies and then we have leah brown who's gonna fly to what, what where did she say she, I said I'd go el paso to texas Houston. is where denise lives no she lives in el paso texas it's all the same oh, and yeah. you're gonna <laughs> go over there and actually get your copy signed and you're going to help diffuse London. I'm happy to come to London <laughs> and, and just and Leah, for me it might be worth saying that I am on all the platforms under a different name under every platform I'm on Twitter at only one Leah I'm on Instagram under Leah Brown FRSA and I'm on Instagram under scene heard spoken there you go folks there's been your panel don't forget you can send me an email at royfield at gmail.com to berate me tell me i'm a, a liberal shill or whatever nonsense you want to do and i will answer it if you want to maybe tell me where i'm going wrong with this podcast you can also do that at same email address we'll come back in a few more days with another mid-atlantic take care look after yourselves don't forget left to center politics is right thing of politics we try not to demonize our right-leaning brothers and sisters but we do tell them that they are fundamentally wrong with their neoliberal nonsense because all it does is exacerbate wealth inequality take care look after yourselves bye-bye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.